Welcome back, welcome back. This is episode five of the Tay Talks podcast, and as always, I'm your host, Ante Campbell, and we have a very, very special guest, and I don't even know why I continue to say that, because all of these people I've interviewed so far have been extremely talented and extremely great people, and it continues on with this episode. This person has a long laundry list of accolades. I don't know if I'll be able to even get through them all, but I'll leave you with a couple. They were a two-time CIF champ, as well as a two-time Mountain West champion. Now, on the academic side of things, this person was awarded academic All-Mountain West twice, as well as winning a 2018-2019 Mountain West Scholar-Athlete Award. And this short list of accolades barely covers how driven, intelligent, loyal, funny, and just great person that this guest is. And I hope that everyone listening has the opportunity to meet someone this dynamic sometime in their lifetime. The person I'm speaking about is Dominique Jackson, a.k.a. Big Bomb Dom, former outfielder for Fresno State Bulldogs. And our conversation was amazing as always. Now, before we get into the beautiful intro music provided by the Social Club, who you guys should check out on SoundCloud, I want to take this opportunity to say happy holidays, happy Kwanzaa, which I know is probably ending by the time this recording is out to the world, and Merry Christmas and happy Kwanzaa to all of those who celebrate and You know, I just hope that everybody has the opportunity to spend time with the people that they love and enjoy to be around and celebrate whatever traditions they have with those people that they call their family, whether it be blood or not. And I just want to thank you guys for continuing to listen. So welcome back. As always, here's episode five of the Tate Talks podcast. So, of course, welcome. Welcome, Dominique. Uh, I'm so glad to finally get you here on this episode. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, you were telling me a little about a little bit about you working out this morning. You know, still I got that athlete life inside of you, of course. So got that hard workout in and I get that. So, of course, you played softball in high school and college. And I was really which you're known for big bomb dom. <laughs> what other sports what other sports did you play before choosing softball and how did you decide softball was your sport? Um when I was younger I was a soccer player and I played some basketball. I played one season of volleyball, knew from the beginning that volleyball was not for me. It's terrible. Um soccer and basketball I definitely played um, soccer up until high school, basketball, I played through high school, but ultimately I don't think I was tall enough for basketball and not skilled enough, um, because I definitely can't make an outside shot and be a, a wing. <laughs> and for <laughs> soccer, 
I'm not gonna lie, I hate running. So that was that was kind of a struggle for me. But plus in high school, soccer and basketball were in the same season. So I had to choose one or the other. And I stuck with basketball and then ultimately decided softball was for me. I first wanted to be a cheerleader. My parents said couldn't be a cheerleader. So they stuck me in softball because we cheer in the dugout. <laughs> Hey, there you go. That is the best way to uh, cheer. It's the biggest sport for cheering. I remember my, you know, little league baseball days and have all the little, he's not a pitcher. He's got a belly yeah. cheer or whatever. <laughs> you know, the little cheers that we used to have yeah. back in the day. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think uh, softball was definitely lucky to have you for the time that it had you as an athlete. And now, obviously, you're doing some coaching. Uh, what advice do you give to the youth looking to earn a scholarship to play softball in college? I honestly, I would go with the advice that was given to me, which was watch your social media, first and foremost. I got so mad at my parents when I was younger because they always wanted to be my friend or follow me on all my social media. And now, like, after I've gone through college, I'm now on the coaching route. I see why people need to watch their social media because kids post some crazy stuff and those coaches see it and they're like, this is what this person is like outside of the softball realm. But other than that, I would just say kind of being okay with failure. I think that was one thing that um, I think actually one of my travel ball coaches told me that when I was getting recruited, when I was in like my junior year of, of high school, they were just saying, you need to be okay with failure because coach Ford was at one of my games and I did absolutely terrible. Um, but I held myself better than what I usually do when I'm angry. And they were just talking about how coaches like to see how you react when you're not doing well. Um, I think now even coaching high school softball, I see these girls that they, they go over in a game or they have errors on defense or whatever. And their first thing that they want to do is come into the dugout and throw their glove or throw their helmet. And I don't think that coaches want to see that personally. I don't want to see it. Um, so kind of attitude is a big thing. Even if, if your talent's not there, sometimes attitude is what that coach wants. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that I could have benefited from that second one, especially my mom also followed me on everything. So I really didn't have anything to worry about uh, with the social media stuff. I was really clean cut growing up and even now, obviously. But um, definitely to the point of like, yeah, you gotta be, uh, even kill is really the one that like has always stuck with me just being the same person, whether you, you, things are going good or they're going bad. And, uh, I remember in high school, just ultimate competitor. Like if I lost a game there was no talking to me at, on the car ride home, there was no eating, yeah. I didn't want dinner, you know what I mean? Whatever. So ultimate competitor during the, you know, the highs and the lows of the game, I would definitely get like show emotion uh, like, you know, if something didn't go our way or, you know what I mean? Maybe like argue with the refs a little bit and stuff like that. And uh, I definitely think though, I wish I knew those things, you know, go like in college, you learn it really quickly. Like, yeah. okay, this is not going to fly, but uh, I wish I learned those things in high school. Um, and like, sometimes even, then like I just like I don't think I was necessarily being a bad teammate, but I just wish that sometimes I was being a, a better teammate when things weren't going right for me. Like I wouldn't be like if things weren't going right for me, it it would be hard for me to be like, 
good shot, da, 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 be excited for other people. Um, and like, I definitely learned that throughout the journey, like no matter what's going on with me, I, I can be excited, like take myself out of it and be like, wow, like this person's doing great. They're doing a good job. I'm so proud of them, blah, 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 whatever. Um, instead of just like moping, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? And like making, and then that's the thing about basketball too. Like you, when you mope on, it's not like baseball where it's like, okay, I mope and then I got to, you know, I got 10 minutes before I got to come up to bat again or 30 minutes before I have to come up to bat again. So I can kind of like, you know, take my time to like figure it out. Basketball is quick. Like you got to, like I was taught in college, like you got to hit a one, like a quick clap and like a, maybe like a scream to get it out. Like, ah, yeah. and then like, you know what I mean? You got to move on to the next play because you might, you know what I mean? Mess up and give up a dunk and then be mad at yourself for the rest of the game and now you're not hitting your shots or you might not hit a shot and then you know you don't go hard for a rebound or something like that and that can end up costing you a game so you just gotta be you know next play mentality for sure all right other than that though what are the most common issues that you see with high schoolers playing softball now oh figure out how to say this in in like a adult way (laughs) um (laughs) I, I think one of the biggest problems right now is, I don't know if it's in, in the COVID age or what's going on, but a lot of girls kind of rely on listening to their parents during high school games. Um, I don't remember that being the case when I was in high school, but it could have just been because my parents were coaches too, so they didn't bother me and I just didn't pay attention to others. But um Right now, I'm assistant coaching for our varsity um, team at my local high school, and the parents are always coming up to the dugout or talking to them when they're on the field, and those girls automatically want to look at their parents, and I think that is one of the biggest downfalls, kind of, because if we're being honest, a lot of those parents did not play softball at the next level, because a lot of them are dads, first of all, (laughs) Um, and so it kind of just get it's kind of a struggle as a coach to see it because those girls want to listen to their parents they don't want to get in trouble they they think that their parents know best um but it's not really meshing with what we're trying to put out there as coaches um i i think that and then just the i think there's a little bit lower level of like people making making it known that they want to go to the next level and so they're they're coming out to high school ball and just want to have fun, which is fine. Obviously, you want to have fun when you're playing. But mm-hmm. um, at the same time, I think it the intensity is not always there. And mm-hmm. I think that the intensity level has definitely gone downhill, at least since I have played um, with with the majority, which is unfortunate. Yeah, uh, that makes me think, you know, is it difficult really trying to because obviously, you know, you go to college or a professional in any sport and the coaches pretty much only job is to make sure that they win. You know, that's the only goal of that. High school is just obviously such a different spectrum where really like winning is important obviously towards getting recruited in any sport but obviously you have to develop people and you yeah. know knowing that like okay like yeah this kid's a you know a junior or whatever a senior and like 
being able to, but I have this freshman kid that I need to kind of like, you know, help us out for the next, you know, three or four years. How do you kind of balance trying to, you know, obviously do the things? Because sometimes those conflict, obviously, winning and like improving your, uh, you know, individual players and your uh, your team in that way. How do you kind of try to balance those two things? Um, I think at least for our high school, I think that we've gotten really lucky with um, we have multiple girls that play competitive softball. Um, they have gone out of the area to find travel ball teams that are, they play at that higher intensity. Um, so it helps us out as coaches a little bit because then we don't have to worry about them as much. They, we have like on the team that I'm currently coaching, we have two sisters that um, are playing in, I don't know where their team's from, but it's not, it's not where we live. Um, I think that another one of our outfielders plays for that team. Um, we just have a lot of girls that they have made it known that they want to go to the next level. So they're playing on teams that will help them get there. Mm -hmm. Um, which helps us out as coaches because then they know the game on a higher level. Mm -hmm. Um, that just makes it so that we have, if we have 12 girls on a team and five girls are already at that higher level, then we can kind of work with, with the other ones to help them get up to that level. Um, I think it's also helpful just like last season we had three coaches. So, mm-hmm. uh, one girl might really like how the head coach coaches something. One girl might like how I coach. And then one girl might like how uh, the other coach coaches. And then we all have our different kind of specialties as well. Cause I was big on hitting and I played outfield. I would never mm-hmm. consider myself to be an infielder. So it's hard for me to sit there and tell a girl how she should be fielding a ball when honestly, if I went out there, I wouldn't be able to do it. So um, I think it's just, we have to know our strengths as coaches and then also know the girls' strengths as players. Fair. Very, very, very fair. All right. So now we talked a little bit about your babies, your little, you know, your little softball babies. Um, And now I want to talk a little bit more about you. And uh, we're going to start off with the Fresno State. It's a kind of a hard-hitting question, maybe. Um, in the era, of course, where everyone's transferring, myself included. <laughs> yeah. um, you kind of saw, you know, your friends, some of your close friends, some of your teammates transfer throughout your career at Fresno State. What made you decide to stay at Fresno State through all four years and under two different head coaches? Um, mine was less on the softball side. I was always told when I was getting recruited, make sure that you go to a college that you can see yourself at if you could never play softball again. Um, and so when I was getting recruited, I was looking at all these places, um, seeing who had the majors that, that I wanted. Cause I was a, um, criminology or criminal justice major. And just the area. And a lot of people talk so much smack on Fresno, but like I never had a problem there. So I wasn't, I wasn't worried about it. Um, So when we got a new coach, my parents actually had told me that I need to give this coach a chance. I can't, I am very, um, what is the word? I, I do things on a whim a lot. So they wanted me to be there and see how she coaches and see how we get on, get along and everything. And, I knew after that first season with her that we were not on the same page at all. 
Um, but at the same time, I didn't see myself going somewhere else and one being able to have the same amount of money for a scholarship as I did at Fresno state, um, because everything was paid for at Fresno for me. So I was afraid to go somewhere else where I'd have to worry about paying for my rent or paying for my books or whatever it may be. Um, I was also very ahead in my schooling. I was, um, taking extra classes. So I had a feeling if I transferred somewhere else, I'd be put farther back than what I wanted to be. And I really wanted to be on that four year path, if not sooner. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I just really, even though my best friends transferred, I still had really close friends in Fresno. So I stuck around more for the schooling and the friends aspect rather than the softball aspect. Um, and then kind of struggled <laughs> those last three years, but at the same time, I was happy with my decision because I ended up graduating in three and a half instead of four years and was able to get a semester of my master's and got everything paid for. So I can't complain too much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, two things that I really want to bring up about the thing that you just said. Fresno State, you know, people might talk about Fresno and it not being the greatest, you know, university or the greatest city or whatever. And, you know, that's their opinion. I would say that, you know, Fresno State as like being an athlete there was, you know, some of the most fun I've had in my life. Um, We had a really special bond as athletes that you don't see usually in a lot of other universities. Uh, Obviously, I transferred, so I know what it looks like from a different university and just, you know, going to visit friends and talking to people that I know that go to a lot of other universities and stuff like that. Uh, I think because, you know, Fresno didn't necessarily have like the most money at the time, it forced us to all use this, you know, uh, you know, our athlete village basically uh, and see each other all the time. We had study hall right next to weights, right next to the training room that everybody was in pretty much 24 seven. So you would go in there and you would see all the track people going the weights at, you know, and it means seven in the morning or whatever. And then you would see the football dudes coming in for study hall when you're going in the training room or whatever. So it's like, you would always see everybody and it made it like a, like a family. Like, and I understand why you say like, you still had so many more friends, obviously than the ones that you had that transferred um, like me, Morgan, comma, whatever. Um, but yeah, of course, like it was just, it was just a fun institution and, uh, had some great food. I always miss the food. I always talk about, um, dog house. (laughs) I always (laughs) tell any of my people who are in Fresno, like, man, like you gotta get some dog house for me. I gotta live through you (laughs) because I I don't know when the next time I'm getting back to Fresno, it's kind of a hard location to get to. Um, yeah. And then the second thing is, uh, obviously like that I didn't really think about when transferring now was like how my credits and all that stuff were going to transfer and how that was going to go. And, you know, I like, if there were things that I regret, obviously I don't really regret transferring because it was a decision that I made and I learned so much throughout it and made a whole lot of other great friends and, you know, family at this point. Um, but Definitely, like, when I got to UTEP, I was looking at my credits and my transcript, and I'm like, where did all my classes go? You know, where where's this? Where's that? And uh, it took me a lot of – it took me 
you know, just a lot of struggle um, to get, you know, back on track to finishing before I, you know, before I finish my eligibility up as a basketball player. So uh, I definitely agree that that's like a huge thing that people should, you know, think about and consider because, you know, no one really was talking to us about that. Also, like, you know, our grade or whatever, our class, you know, class of 2015 high school or whatever, like kids weren't transferring, you know what I mean? There wasn't even yeah. a transfer portal. When I transferred out of Fresno State, there wasn't even a transfer portal for basketball. It was only for football. That was the only sport that had a transfer portal. So like, you know, like you couldn't even like really like easily let coaches know you had to like personally reach out to people and be like, Hey, I am leaving this school. Like, would you like to recruit me? <laughs> Which is like, you know, crazy or whatever, unless you were obviously like a huge player, but like, you know, transferring wasn't happening nearly as much as it was um, that it is now. So yeah, I, I completely get that and understand that. But speaking of all the fun great times at Fresno state, uh, what was your favorite moment from your time at, at that university? Oh God. Um, I would probably have to say freshman year, softball wise, freshman year. Um, when we won the Mountain West Conference, we only ended up losing one game that our whole entire conference run. I don't know how many schools are in our conferences, but we're playing every single team three times on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or whatever, Friday, Saturday, Sunday and you only lose one of those games, I think that that was definitely a, a highlight. And then we were also ranked that that season at, I think for a while, we were at least in the top 25. So, I mean, freshman year was definitely a positive. <laughs> yeah, I remember um, at the end of that school year, or I'm trying to remember if it was spring break or at the end of the school year, um, I got to watch you guys go out and play against UCLA um, while I, when I went back home for a little bit. And uh, I remember that run that you guys had. Yeah, you guys were dominant uh, freshman year, obviously. Probably your best statistical year uh, mm-hmm. was, you know, really fun. We, like I said, called you Big Bomb Dom. You know, I felt like every time I was going to a game, you were hitting the home run at least or something something close to it. So, you know, uh, that was definitely a fun experience for sure uh, as a fan. And I'm sure as a player, it was extremely uh, fulfilling experience. And, you know, freshman year, obviously we had our Mountain West championship run, which, you know, I know what that feels like. It's definitely very special. It's a very good conference, very competitive. Um, And obviously all the conferences are going to be changing here really, really shortly. Uh, But, uh, that time, you know, from 2015 until now or whatever, even beforehand, Mountain West has just been super competitive in all of its sports. And, uh, yeah, you guys were definitely the talk on campus. Okay. So speaking of the competitiveness of the Mountain West and college softball in general, what was the team that you were excited to play outside of the normal Fresno State rivalries? We already know, obviously, everybody gets up and gets excited for San Diego State and Boise. Those mm-hmm. ones are easy. But uh, what other teams or team, you can just give me one or multiple, however you're feeling, um, did you get excited for personally? 
Um, I would say Utah State, which is like odd <laughs> for me to say that, but I, before being committed to Fresno State, I was committed to Utah State. Um, they had a different coach at the time and they were pretty terrible, honestly. They went one and 11. Um, they ended up, that coach ended up resigning. They got a new one. New one decided that he did not want me. He wanted to recruit someone with a different position. He wanted a pitcher. So I was most excited to play them um, just because I hold grudges. I'm sure <laughs> that people know that about me. Um, so like, even though I was debating not wanting to go there once that coach was gone and everything, when I was told that I wasn't wanted, I was like, all right, here we go, buddy. Um, so I was definitely most excited to play them because I just wanted to go out there and show them like, hey, you passed up on this. This is what's going to happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those, yeah, those, that's a personal rivalry. Those personal yeah. rivalry games are always, always fun. That's um interesting. I actually didn't know that about you with the Utah State, but uh, yeah, they're uh, you know they're definitely have been good in basketball as well. From the time that I remember, they might not have been uh, you know terrible but they definitely had a fun atmosphere to play in logan's a weird weird city in utah yeah no to the people from logan probably what <laughs> you think they call them loganites loganites so but yeah uh no offense to those people it's just uh but beautiful like i love the yeah. way the blue the the campus is and like the blue pierces through the snow and yeah, Logan. Logan looks like a real like ski town that you see on uh, TV or something like that. Nothing like what I grew up in, but uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, so who do you think was the toughest person for you to hit in college, and uh, who were you excited to see when you got to the plate? You're like, oh yeah, I got this girl. Um, I don't know about like person per se. But, like, pitching type, I definitely struggled more with slower pitchers who had a lot of movement. Mm-hmm. Um, because when it takes longer to get there, I sit there and I think. And when I think, that is when I get into trouble. Um, so, for me, like, my most of my home runs came from pitchers that threw with speed. Um, and, I mean, it could have moved, but it got there so fast that I didn't see it. So, it was mostly just a kind of close your eyes and swing type of moment. Um, I vividly remember though, I struggled so much hitting against Boise. I can't remember what, what, what year it was. It must've been either, it might've been my freshman year. Honestly, they had this one pitcher, I think her name was Gianna and, um, actually might've been sophomore year, whatever. That doesn't matter. But, um, they had this pitcher named Gianna and she threw the ball with just great movement and, when it moves in, like it looks like it's going to hit you. And that got into my head so much. I did terrible against her. Um, and then she ultimately, I think ended up transferring to maybe a school in Florida or something like that. But I thought her movement was insane. She was easily one of the hardest pitchers I, I went to hit against. Okay. Okay. Anybody that you were excited to see? 
when you got up to the plate, you're like, oh yeah, I'm um, gonna, I'm gonna hit this one uh, to the to the lacrosse field. <laughs> For I those mean, that don't know, the lacrosse field is across the street from the <laughs> softball field at Fresno State. I definitely think um, I was excited to hit against Utah State because they obviously chose not to get me. They got a pitcher, and that pitcher ended up throwing against us. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> and I don't even remember which pitcher it was, but. My freshman year, we played them. I hit two home runs in the same game against them. And I was just like, all right, I'm having the the game of my life right now. Um, but other than that, I was always excited to hit the, like, Power 5 schools. Mm. Um, or just, like, hitting against anybody that was in the Pac-12, in the SEC, in the Big Ten, anything like that. Um, I was always excited because they usually have more velocity when they're throwing. So we mm. played against... Tennessee, that was my first collegiate home run, um, like in actual season, not in preseason. Mm-hmm. And then um, I think I hit one against Oklahoma, but that was a, a, against a different pitcher. Um, and then I know that I hit one against um, the LSU pitcher, and she freaking – she threw so hard, I felt like you blink and that ball's already passed you. So <laughs> definitely yeah. excited to hit against those ones. Okay. We're going to come back a little bit to the specific uh, Fresno State softball questions, but I did kind of want to ask you, obviously, you're working in probation now and um, coaching as well. So what is more challenging, athlete life or adult life after your playing career? I think adult life, personally. Um, there's less structure in adult life. I don't have someone necessarily telling me what to do. Um, like I said, I did have a workout this morning and that was like the third time I've worked out this year. So I'm struggle city right now. (laughs) Um, I really enjoyed how in college you knew, Hey, you have workouts at six 30 every single morning. You have practice at 2 PM every single afternoon. Whereas with adult life, I mean, I work in a, in a field where, Luckily, I'm able to kind of, I have my own caseload and I essentially run my own caseload. There are guidelines that we have to follow, but I kind of get to do my own thing. So sometimes you'll be like, where's Dominique? Oh, she's just talking to everybody in the department. She hasn't been at her desk for like three hours. Um, And then I get back to my desk and I'm like, why was I talking to everybody? I have so much work to do. (laughs) Um, And then just having to worry about like, Hey, you work, I work from 630 to five. So work from 630 to five and then, um, softball practice, my schedule will change and I'll get off at three so I can go and go to practice or go to games. I have to worry about getting home. Do I eat? Do I, what do I do? Like, it's just a lot. And then that's why I don't work out. Cause I'm like, well, I'm so tired by the time I get home, I'm, it's, I'm over it. Right. Don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I think a lot of people uh, definitely have that challenge where it's like they have these busy, busy lives uh, and they work very, very hard, especially people. I mean, all people, but our, you know, our age, we're trying to figure it out still, you know what I mean? And we're still trying to, you know, uh, most of us don't have kids or, you know, anything like that yet. So we're still trying to figure out our routines and uh, and figure out where we're going. And we're not where we want to be just yet, but we're still working towards it. So I feel like, yeah, like it's like all like, I don't know, I'm just going to put in this little like I'm just going to stop at McDonald's on the way home or whatever. Yeah. I'm gonna just, you know, whatever, uh, just to get through 
tonight and then you figure it out again tomorrow and it feels like you just you know kind of just going wherever the wind takes you it's funny that you say that because i was just talking to one of my friends about that recently and i was just saying like uh that's the i envy like the people that were are in school i have some friends that are medical students and they're in school and they get those you know winter breaks christmas breaks and all that other stuff and i was like i think that's what i envy the most about school is that like when you kind of get stuck in those routines that are just kind of like not where you want to be or just like meh or whatever when you're in school and you do that you have a hard reset you know what i mean there's two weeks off like reevaluate reset and then you come in fresh in life you just have to do that on your own you know what i mean you have to take take it take hold and control of that and um i think that that's something that like was like a mental wake-up call for me to be like yo if you ever get stuck you gotta figure out a way to unstuck it like get you know what i mean release yourself from this hole where you feel like oh i'm just in the grind and i'm just floating to get by you're not you know living life to live you're just living you know what i mean to get by and um you know obviously luckily uh in a place where i don't have to feel like i have to just get by but you gotta definitely take advantage of the time that you have and the people that are around you and that you love and do the things that you like because it can get so easy to just get stuck in the grind and forget and be like oh well when i'm when I do this, then I'll do it. And then when you get there, it'll be something else. When I, you know, in college, I kept telling myself, oh, after I'm done with college, I'll have fun and I'll, you know what I mean? Hang out with my friends more and, you know, experience things in life and all other stuff. And like, I feel like I do, but not to the extent that I thought I was going to be. So it's like mm-hmm. now, like I, you know, I sometimes sit there and tell myself, okay, well, once I get here, then I'll do this. And then it's just like, but why not just do it now? You know what I mean? And like, take the time to like, be yourself and love the life that you're living throughout the entire, throughout the journey. You don't just have yeah. to love it once you reach the mountaintop, you can love it, you know, during, but um, yeah, sorry to go on my little tangent there, but <laughs> You know, that's just kind of what I've been thinking about recently. Okay. All right. So, uh, of course, there's always a little bit of a debate that goes on about what's the hardest thing to do in sports. Uh, What's the hardest position to play in sports? What's the hardest thing to do in sports? One of the big main topics, one of the things that comes up to the top is always hitting the baseball or hitting the softball. Personally, I think that softball and i don't know you might be a little biased so i'm gonna ask you your opinion anyways well i think that softball is definitely the hardest thing to do hitting the softball is the hardest thing to do in sports what's your uh what's your take on that subject like do i think that softball is the hardest or do you think that softball is just harder than hitting a baseball i'm not gonna lie i've never tried to hit a baseball so i can't attest to that but I have heard and seen videos where baseball players definitely struggle at hitting softballs because it's just, <clears throat> it's from a different, one's coming from underhand, one's coming from overhand, the spin is different. Um, I think, gosh, this one's hard. I can't even say that it's harder than baseball because I, you're not going to catch me going out and trying to play baseball and making a <laughs> fool out of myself. <laughs> oh, man. 
I definitely think that it's, it's would struggle with it if they're facing like a D1 pitcher that has the movement and has the speed and everything like that. I have a feeling people are going to go up and swing and miss every single time. Like <clears throat> that pitcher that I talked about from LSU, I have a feeling like, you know, we had where our uh, bring a friend to practice days at Fresno, like once a year. I had a feeling if she was pitching and one of the friends would go up and try to hit a ball, they wouldn't be able to do it. She just <laughs> so fast. I mean, shocking. Someone told me she, they're like, oh, she's throwing 68. And I was like, no, she's not. And then I got in the box and I was like, she might be throwing faster than 68 because I feel like <laughs> I barely saw that ball. <laughs> yeah. I also just think like, you know, when you're throwing that fast from that close, the ball's rising, it's dipping, it's, you know, curving in, it's curving out. Yeah. It, it has all, you know, all the different directions of movement, you know, a pitch really, it, you can't throw a riser as a pitcher unless you throw sub, you know what I mean? Unless mm-hmm. you're like throwing under, like, you know what I mean? Underhand, whatever, like that's pretty much impossible to really have like a rising pitch. And, you know, those guys are far and few, far and few between every, you know, I feel like every pitcher has a riser. Every softball pitcher has a riser. You know what I mean? Every softball pitcher, you know, is going to like change it up and mix it up and make your eye levels change a lot. You know, every mm-hmm. good one, at least. So um, not to say that MLB pitchers or baseball pitchers or high level D1 baseball pitchers aren't but i just think there's a um the time to react (laughs) Mm -hmm. is just it's just a little bit less you know and that little bit can take a lot and that ball might be a little bit bigger but i personally you know i'm giving credit to the many hitters out there it's definitely always been something that i've been super 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 impressed by so hats off to you I don't think I could even hit a home run if you threw me a soft pitch. So uh, definitely hats off to you and all the other hitters out there. Okay. So speaking of, you know, hitting, hitting was obviously a huge like thing for you. You were a big time hitter as a freshman. Like I said, every time you came up to bat, I was expecting a home run. I thought you were just, you know, one of the best I had personally seen at the time. Uh, and, uh, you know, things changed. So your role kind of changed, obviously, with a new coach. But you were always the same Dom from everything that I saw. You are always very uh, just happy and cheering on your teammates and being the jokester that you are and just making everybody feel good. So. Um, Obviously, with your role switching, what did you learn throughout that entire process? um, I think one of the biggest things to learn was no matter, like, how successful you may be or no matter what happened the year prior, it can always change just with snap of fingers. Um, Because obviously my freshman year, I think I played in every – Maybe I didn't play in every single game, but I definitely played in like 90, at least 90 to 95% of our games. And then I went to sophomore year where I played in like only 16 games. And um, I kind of lost my marbles my sophomore year. And I was just like, I don't understand how I could go from being one of the best or strongest hitters on my team my freshman year. And then you come in 
and um, you think that I'm not consistent enough so I can't be successful out there. Um, but I kind of started to, I guess, change my mentality a little bit. And it was more of a, if I get in, I get in. If I don't, I don't type of thing. Um, my freshman year, they kind of told us to adopt this one mentality that was like, so what? And I really enjoy it now, especially as an adult, but just kind of adopting that. So what mentality, if I don't get in, so what? Like, if I get that shot, then I'm going to prove myself in that position. But if I don't, then I can't be mad at, like I talked about, I had my school paid for, I got done early. I was able to live with my best friends. I was able to go and just do things that I wouldn't have been able to do if it weren't for Fresno State. And really if it weren't for coach Ford. Um, so even if the new coach didn't think that I was good enough um, to be in a certain position that I knew I was good enough to be in, I just had to learn to kind of let a brush off my shoulders because I can dislike her from afar and I can still be out there and be supportive to my teammates because I don't, I never want my, <clears throat> my teammates to think that I think I'm better than them. Um, because I didn't want to be that person that was, I guess, antagonistic towards my teammates, because obviously someone else was in the position that I used to be in. I don't want them to think like that I'm trying to scoot them out. I just kind of had to be, be there for them, even though I wasn't getting what I wanted essentially. Yeah. And I think that's fair. I don't think, you know. Knowing you, I know that that's not a place that you would come from ever. You know what I mean? We're like, I'm better than this person. Da, 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 da. But there is a point where you know your abilities and you know what you're capable of doing. And um, it can be frustra frustrating when other people don't see it the same way that you see it, especially when they have uh, power. You know what I mean? I don't want to call it that, but, you know, power in a situation to make those decisions, whether you get those opportunities or not. Um, it can definitely be a frustrating situation. And um, I definitely applaud you because I know a lot of people wouldn't take it that way, um, you know, and they would honestly leave <laughs> you know they would they would leave they wouldn't stick it out they wouldn't be there uh for people or you know it, it would start becoming personal for them and um but you didn't take it that way and you know it's a, just a testament to the great person that you are and that you've always been um you know you talked about some of the things that you you know that you've learned um, that you got from, you know, Fresno State and how that's helped you so far. But I really want to know what are some of the most important things that you've gained as a whole from playing sports in general? Um, I think a team mentality, definitely. Um, learning how to work with other people. And I think that that has helped me a lot, not only – coaching now but also at work because regardless of me having my own caseload I still have to you know if I need help I need to talk to someone else and ask them what their opinion is um I 
I think that athletes definitely have a one up when it, when they get into like the working world after school and everything, because people that are used to just being independent, I, in my opinion, are not going to work as well with others as people that have played in a team setting. Um, my old supervisor, she was very big on, she wanted people in her unit that have played uh, team sports before because they're just kind of like a different breed in a sense. <laughs> um, I think that's, that's kind of my, my biggest thing that I took away. I think that I would have taken a lot more things away if I would have had coach Ford for four years um, because she's definitely a coach that expects greatness. She wants you to make the play and she wants you to look good while making the play. Um, and unfortunately I only got one year of that, but with just playing sports all through Fresno and in high school and everything like that and getting different coaches, learning how to be under different types of leadership, being with different types of teammates, because people from where I live are definitely different than the people from the Bay area. And the people from the Bay area are definitely different than people from Fresno and all around and everything like that. So I think that that definitely, definitely helped me out a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Those are definitely great things to learn from it. And uh, being a part of a team is, is special. It's something that I think all athletes that are on team sports um, look fondly of. Um, it's the best part about being an athlete at a, you know, at a university is just being able to be around your teammates and you don't know, but the lessons that they teach you about, uh, working through things when uh, you don't agree and when you do agree and, you know, how to figure all of that stuff out and the, you know, the growing up that you do in those, you know, four, five, I don't know, dudes are doing like seven now, but yeah. <laughs> years <laughs> that you have um, that opportunity to do so before you either, you know, continue on to play professionally, which is a little different and, uh, or, you know, obviously move on into a different uh, lifestyle setting. So, yeah, I think that's, I mean, I think that's very important. I kind of, now I'm just thinking about team sports and just in general, like sports. I'm rambling a little bit, but it's just because it's got me thinking about, you know, how women's sports are kind of perceived in the, you know, in the media. And I just kind of want to know your thoughts about how you think the women's sports are handled in the media and how they're perceived and, and just in the general public as well. And like what you wish was different about the way they perceive you guys. Cause I think honestly, like personally after living on campus with so many great, women a athletes and I just don't really see a like a difference between you guys and us uh as far as like the work you put in and how, how talented you are and but I'll let you talk about it <laughs> what do you think is what do you th what do you think about that I can't really attest to like what's said in the media because I don't really watch tv I'm literally sitting in front of like a big bookshelf with all my books. I spent all my free time reading. Um, but even just from experience, I think that unfortunately women's sports are viewed 
as lesser than male sports and I won't lie and say that I haven't thought that about certain sports like that I would rather go and watch maybe a men's basketball game instead of a women's basketball game um but I definitely I find more entertainment watching female sports if we're being honest I think that um there's kind of a higher in- intensity um and I don't want the guys to get mad at me when I'm saying this but but um at the same time like I work, I help out at the high school. I do, um, I work the scoreboard, I'll do a stat board, and I am right now doing the scoreboard or shot clock for our local community college. So while it's not necessarily watching like D1 or um, professional sports, I'm, I've seen both the girls teams and the boys teams playing. I definitely have more of a fun time watching the girls play than the guys play. Um, because I feel as if they, one, I feel like they all work together. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. I think sometimes, um, a guy will want to take it into his own hands (laughs) a lot of the time, especially if when you talked about like getting frustrated and everything like that with like not being happy with how the refs are making calls or whatever it may be. Um, but all in all, like, I'll watch either of them. I, I no longer will sit there and be like, I don't want to watch a girl's game because I don't think they're as good as the boys. They play differently than the boys, which I think maybe be, geez, Louise just stuttered on that one, but um, they maybe have a different style of play. So they maybe run more plays instead of just kind of going towards the hoop or whatever it may be. But um I don't think that girls are lesser than guys per se. I will say though, that I will not sit and watch a baseball game because it takes too long. (laughs) That is one thing I will say. I think that softball is better than watching baseball because softball games are way faster paced and you don't have to just sit there. (laughs) But all in all, I mean, I think that everything is regardless of gender that's playing super fun to watch. Yeah. I think especially at the collegiate level, uh, because a lot of these men's sports that are being put on TV have a lot of money and professional, like the professional level going on to the next level. I think that men's college athletics, sometimes guys are just looking at the goal of like, okay, yeah, winning is great, but uh the real goal is to make it to for me personally to make it yeah. to where i wanted to want to make it and you know i think women's athletes are more realistic because there are less opportunities to pr- play professional sports that they're like this is this is it for me i need to make the most of this right now yeah. and so when you go into those games and you know okay you watch a college women's basketball game and you know okay all 15 of us are none of us are playing professional you know WNBA basketball you know what I mean maybe a couple of us maybe one of us or two of us might play overseas for a couple of years but the rest of us are not you know what I mean versus like you go to a that same university's men's team and they probably have six or seven guys that are going to play professionally whether it be nba or the multiple other leagues that you can have the opportunity to play in or even more you know what i mean than that um 
they're like not really thinking about, you know, the women's teams are just not thinking about themselves. They're like, this is a team. I got to win. They want to win. And it's like that purity of like where the politics are kind of taken out of it a little bit. Obviously, there's still going to be politics because there is money involved. But, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, when it comes down to it, like in the game and in the heated battle of a game, it's really like, okay, everybody is really, really all in on winning. You know, you see the girls you know just being very intense not that men aren't uh because they definitely have intense battles as well but i definitely you know i got a text from a friend of mine today and um as we're recording this obviously lsu played texas and men's college basketball and one of the lsu players even though they lost had like 30 something points and a friend texted me going like yeah this dude made money today you know what I mean? And it's like, that's kind of where the mindset is. Like, okay, our team lost, you know what I mean? A really, like, important game to our season. And, uh, but, like, you know, people are looking at this one dude being like, well, you know, at least at least he, mm-hmm. he did have this performance, you know what I mean? And I, I feel like uh, I don't know that guy. And I don't know what his family or his friends or what is, you know, what he's thinking. I have no idea. He could easily be thinking like be very very upset that they lost you know what i mean which i'm sure he is so i understand you know that i don't i don't know the guy so i can't i'm not saying this is the case in his case but i'm just saying that this is the way that you know us men are really kind of taught to think about our sport is like okay yeah we lost but you know what i mean i did do this on a big stage so it's like good for me and like this is going to be good for you know my career versus like Mm -hmm. i feel like i don't know you know what i mean this is an assumption but from the things that i hear and from you know the other women athletes that i've talked to before um it's really more like you said about the team instead of about i and it's not necessarily about i with the men but you could see that they have some incentives to think about themselves, even if their, you know, team is not doing good or is doing good, because at the end of the day, you know, teams don't get drafted. That's what we always get taught. Teams teams don't get drafted. You know what I mean? Players do. So mm-hmm. it's like unfortunate, but that's kind of I agree that that definitely is, you know, plays a role. And I feel like women's athletes don't get enough credit for how unselfish and uh, how much they put into winning in any situation. For sure. All right. Went on another tangent, but you know, you just got me thinking. Just got me thinking about you know all these great things. Okay. So uh, I just want to know, of course, who you were inspired by growing up. Um, I probably have to honestly say my dad, um, he, I feel like when people talk about people that they're inspired, um, by, they'll talk about like professional athletes and everything. But at the same time, I have never been a big sports watcher. Um, I, so when people name like all these famous people, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I have no idea who that person is. Um, but definitely inspiring to, you know, be able to be with my dad. And he ensured that I was always 
practicing, even though I didn't want to making sure Mm -hmm. that I'm always working out, especially when I didn't want to. Mm -hmm. Um, I won't deny that I am absolutely a lazy human being and he just would not allow that to be my mindset um, day to day because he knew that if I did things my way, I probably wouldn't have been recruited. I probably wouldn't have been as good at the sport that I was. I probably wouldn't have been as strong as what I am. Um, But with him, just ensuring like, hey, every single day you're going to hit a bucket of balls or every single day you're going to be in the weight room or you're going to be running out at the track or whatever it may be. Um, I think that that definitely allowed me to succeed where others do not. So, Yeah, of course. That's It's really, you know, a good sentiment that you think of your dad that fondly and there's nothing wrong with in being inspired by your own dad or your parents or your family. But now that you're a person that the youth kind of look up to and it's, you inspire other people to, you know, be great. Um, what important information do you try to leave the youth with every time you interact with them? Um, I mean, I'm big on, and I kind of adopted this mentality after having a coach that I didn't like was we want to have fun, but we want to be great while we're having fun, essentially. Um, I never want to be the coach that makes it so that these girls never want to play softball again because I've had that as a coach. I know plenty of people have had a coach that have made them fall out of love with the game that they've been playing for so long, Um, and I don't want to be that person for them. So I try to pass on the fun factor. Honestly, I try to be there and mess around with them during practice or games or whatever it may be. Um, And then at the same time, I talked about that. So what mentality as well. And I try to give that to them as well, because if they're so focused on what they're not doing correctly, then they're going to, they're going to keep thinking about them. They're going to keep making errors. They're going to keep swinging and missing. But if they just think, so what I missed that ball, but I'm going to get that next one. And then the one that already happened won't even matter. Um, I think that they'll be way more successful playing softball. So that's, I guess that's what I try to pass on. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. That's good. I like that message a lot. I wish I would have had uh, Coach Coach Jackson as my coach (laughs) growing up. Maybe I'll still be playing baseball. Who knows? I have no idea. But um, all right, we got two fun questions. And then, of course, we got our two final questions. We talk a little bit about music and stuff like that. But uh, we'll get to those. So my first question is, what is something that you, you are in the top 1% of Think something specifically niche or just weirdly specific? Um, I honestly was trying to think on how to answer this one, and I don't necessarily know how, except for I think that I'm someone who can mess around, like, up until that very second that I have to just flip that switch and be serious. And I think that a lot of people struggle with that. Um, I don't do well being serious. Uh, people that know me know that I am just one that is just going to goof around and make jokes and laugh at everything. But 
say I'm, I'm only hitting in a game, I can just mess around in the dugout or even downstairs in our locker room for like the whole entire, everybody else batting. And then as soon as it's time for me to go up there, I am, I'm able to just flip that switch and be on go mode, which I don't think that a lot of people can do. <laughs> yeah. I, I've seen that before. I've seen serious Dom come out of nowhere and I'm like, what's what, what? two seconds ago. You <laughs> Laughing and joking, and you're like, Ante. And I'm like, whoa, where did this come from? Where did this come from? Uh, so, yeah, I definitely have seen that before. I would probably say, yes, you're in, in my eyes, top boy percent at that for sure. Okay. Now, here's the question that you probably didn't think is coming. I talked to a couple of your former teammates because I just Uh had to get some insight on some Dominique that I didn't really know too much about. So I want to know, can you tell me a little bit about the time that you pranked Morgan? Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, that had to be one of the best moments ever, actually. I was so scared with this question when you said you had to ask other people. Um, Okay, so my birthday is April 2nd. And uh, obviously the day after April Fool's Day. And I it had to be our freshman year because we were still in the UVs at, the, at that time. And uh, my parents came to town and me, my parents, and Kama all went out to dinner. Um, Kira happened to be dating a baseball player at the time. So I think that she was over at his apartment um, over at the Bulldogs. So Morgan just went home. Our dinner, I don't know what we got, but we were back like faster than what we normally are. And so Kama and I came inside and I don't know what we were doing. We weren't being quiet at all. Um, But we got a text message in our group message that was just like, hey, are you guys home? And I was like, you know what, we're just, we're going to go with this one. <laughs> um, so I, res- I think I responded. I was like, no, we're still at dinner. dinner. What's up? And Morgan was like, um, well, I hear people out in the, in like the living room area and I don't know what's going on. So obviously Kama's reading this message too. <laughs> and we just started making like all kinds of racket and we kept just going on and on about how we're not at home. We're at dinner. I think we told Kira about it, told her like, we are here, so don't worry about it. We're just messing with her. Um, there was like mail on the counter, so we're like throwing the mail around. I think we're like messing with like the pots and stuff like that and the cupboards. Even though we're already inside, Kama went back outside and started ringing the doorbell. Like, <laughs> and then um, it was like Kama did the, <laughs> she got her key to her room. So I guess I didn't know this, but our keys can fit into everybody's locks, but they only turn our door. <laughs> um, so Kama had her key and she went and she stuck it in Morgan's um, like key lock, whatever that is. And then she was acting like she was trying to turn in, but couldn't. And Morgan opened that door and she was shaking. And she was like, she seriously had no idea it was us. And honestly, if it happened to me, I probably would have cried, but... <laughs> But she was so scared that someone broke in. And all I was thinking was like, girl, we're, we were on the first floor. You could have just booked it out of your window. Um, I'm pretty sure she had a softball bat under her bed, empty wine bottles under her bed. But she just opened the door just shaking like she was just ready to just give it all up right then and there. And I will never forget that. That was 
that was such a good memory. <laughs> that is too funny. Yeah, shout out to Comic Hero and Morgan. I reached out to all three of them, and they all pretty much came back saying, "Yes, ask ask her about this time." Uh, Morgan said she was pretty much ready to accept her fate. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what she told me about that story, which is, you know, pretty, pretty funny. Hopefully I could get the three of them on an episode in the future. But yeah, that's a that's a pretty funny one. That's classic, classic Dominique freshman year for sure. Dominique yeah. that I remember. No <laughs> question. All right. So now we're into the part that I like to call the red light down RLJ. Um, this week we have songs that start with the because you are my fifth guest. What song would you like to choose? It could be for any reason, whatever you're feeling this week. I'm choosing Everybody featuring Lil Uzi Vert. Um, and the song is by Nicki Minaj, her new off her new Pink Friday 2 album. Mm-hmm. Are you hitting them <laughs> hips? Are you hitting them hips? You know, I'm just trying to learn the lyrics at this point because she talks so dang fast. But I mean, there's no sentimental reason as to why I chose that song. But she's definitely she's the greatest rapper. I'm Team Nicki. I'm not Team Cardi. And uh, I've been listening to that album since it came out last Friday. And that song is just so enjoyable and fast. I love the fast songs. No, it's great. <laughs> I've been watching the Kai Sinat dance to that song over and over again. Uh, scroll, when I scroll through social media every once in a while, I just see him hitting his hips, doing his little Philly dance, yeah. going off to it. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely a fun, very, very fun song. All right. Well, for my song this week, I think some of my friends have been waiting for this artist to finally show up in my uh, podcast, Red Light Jam, because I haven't brought him out just yet. And it's definitely one that I've been known for to be very fond of. This person was, I think, fourth in my top five in my Spotify rap. No, they might have even been higher than that. They might have been like third. or They're in the top five. That's all I know. So it's actually called Eternity by Kyle. Um, I know like when I was at Fresno State, I used to listen to Kyle a ton, like before games. Um, and so you probably already knew that I listened to that, that dude a lot. probably don't know too much about him, but it's a, it's just a song that I chose because it's, um, it's a good one. E candidly, I don't have a ton of saved songs in my catalog. I mean, I have a lot, but it's not. You know, in comparison to my other uh, letters, I don't have as many songs in the catalog with the letter E. Um, He's been one of my favorite artists. It's just a good song, um, but it also just has little coastal vibes. And this is the last episode that I'm putting out before I take a little vacation and vacate to the to the coast. So uh, (laughs) I had to choose this this song. for this week's red light jam all right well the last question that i have for you dom is is there anything you have going on or your friends have going on that you want to shout out oh gosh um i would probably say shouting out kira holding it down in in missouri 
you know, she just moved out there with her husband and she's, she's teaching fifth grade over there and can't be easy to be away from, from friends and family, but she's, she's thriving over there and doing everything she needs to be doing. And then Kama's super successful. She just went to New Zealand. I saw her, she did some fashion show. Mm-hmm, Miranda mm-hmm. and Skylar, who I don't even know if you know who the, they are. Miranda and Skylar were a year younger than me, but um, they're both still in Fresno and doing great. Haley Dulcini has her own business with pitching and all that stuff. So I think that they're doing they're doing great out there right now. Yeah, shout out to all the Fresno State teammates. Is what she's basically saying. All mm-hmm. the all the homies, all the homies doing big things. You know. Uh, everybody that we pretty much know from that time were, you know, really doing great. So yes, definitely shout out to Friend of State, the Bulldogs. <laughs> we love yeah. all of y'all. Uh, you know, Red Wave. <laughs> shout out. You know, whatever. All right. Uh, well, you know, Big Bomb Dom, Dominique Jackson. I want to thank you for coming on to the show this week. Uh, so glad that I got to finally sit down with you. You've been a really good good friend and um i'm so happy to see that you're happy and that you're doing great and i hope that you take some time to you know travel and explore and live your absolute best life uh still holding it down out there in california i assume and mm-hmm. um yeah just um so happy that you finally got the chance to come on so thank you you're welcome all right everybody well that was episode five of the Tay Talks podcast and we out.